Thought Leadership from PwC. It's January 3rd, 2023, and most of the world is still trying to remember to write 2023 instead of 2022 when they sign things. However, as accountants, most of us are still living in 2022, spending our time looking back. And this time of year in particular for many companies is all about reporting on their year-end results. In recognition of this annual year-end crunch, we're devoting the month of January to a series of episodes addressing year-end issues, ranging from today's episode on managing uncertainty, to preparing cash flows, to evaluating out-of-period adjustments. Come to work, ready to go, good attitude, look out for those around you, go in search of the right answers, the best product, be collaborative, communicate, and look, life's too short not to enjoy what you're doing, and I believe that we have a personal choice about how how we go in and tackle things. That's my guest, PwC National Office Leader, Tim Carey. Tim and I sat down before the holidays to discuss his perspectives on managing the year-end process, including managing uncertainty. I know from personal experience his advice works, so listen carefully. And let's not waste any time getting started. On to the show. Tim, welcome to the podcast. So nice to have you here and to be interviewing you in person. Thanks, Heather. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to this. So when we start, well, you know, the whole purpose of our conversation is to talk about year end. And you said that this has been one of the most significant times of uncertainty in recent memory. And it's interesting because yesterday I had a chance to interview some of the leaders of our accounting and SEC services to get their perspectives. And we were talking about year-end reminders. And at the end, I said, this is so negative because it's like recession, <laughs> inflation, interest rates, and all those things. Yep. So that episode is playing after this one. But I'm curious your perspective because I think it's going to tie into what I just spoke to them about. Well, I'll try to be more upbeat. There you go. <clears throat> Thank you. Optimism. Uh, and point of clarification, I think I might have said it's the most um, uncertain. Oh, not just one of the most, but the most. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, like back in 2019, if somebody would have told you that we'd have this pandemic and we'd all be in our houses for months and months and months, and and then the pandemic would dominate our lives for well over a year, and then as things would get better, we'd start to have the great resignation then the economy would go gangbusters and then supply chains would emerge as being damaged and inflation comes up. I mean, like it's hard, it's hard to imagine like whether you would have believed that or not. Well, and a war in Ukraine, not to mention in February of this year, um, a war it, it, like I still sometimes don't, don't believe it. Like we're in this bad right, dream. Right. Let me just wrap that all up. And it, it's crazy. And it's not just that there's all these uncertainties and that they've gone on for so long, but it seems like something's just constantly popping out of nowhere. And it's not, they're not little things. They're massive things. Right. 
And uh, so you, you just put that all together and it, it's crazy times, you know, and I, you think I've been at this a long time, right? <laughs> so, you know, I think every busy season, whether um, whether you're working at a company or you're in public accounting, like they all kind of get their own personality mm-hmm. and, and this old same feeling. And like this one for sure is like, wow, um, expect the unexpected because I, I really would like to think that things are going to calm down for the next couple of weeks as we head in the holiday and we'll come back and everything will be um, as planned. But given uh, recent history, um, it's probably not going to happen. So, Tim, I think one of the reasons I wanted to interview you is obviously in your role as You're leader. the first person, by the way, that's actually wanted to interview me. Well, I have been dying to get you on the podcast. I will share. So, <laughs> uh, But you know, you obviously, you're our leader of our national office, but you have and still are serving clients and have a long history of serving clients. Yes. And so a lot of experience in terms of even if this is the most significant time of uncertainty, still a lot of experience dealing with uncertainty and issues and even all the issues we just talked about. So from your perspective, when you're talking to your clients now and in the past, how do you help them focus in on some of the things, you know, on, on where to focus? Because there's too sure. many places right now. Well, I mean, given it's it's early December here, um, some of this may be a little bit too early, but I, I would say just no matter what the, the environment is, um, Staying close to each other, staying close with the de- the departments within your organization, staying close with your auditor, staying close with everybody that's in your kind of reporting ecosystem is super important. Um, <clears throat> I generally, with my clients, have had weekly standing meetings, and we always have those meetings. And sometimes um, there's not enough time to get through anything. Other times there's not much to talk about, but we meet anyway. Mm-hmm. And you know, you just kind of get in the same cadence. You understand um, what's front and center. You start understanding how all the the, the individuals in the organization and a lot of team connect with each other, work work out with each other, and uh, or work together. And I think that really just helps you be in the same you know same wavelength. I guess more tactically, especially going into this year, I mean, it's always good to start out with just really focusing in on like how are all the the issues that you're dealing with, what what drives them, how are they connected, and hopefully by this time the the big things you've you've looked at and you've got a pretty good idea either. Um, you finished reviewing the areas, mm-hmm. you finished your impairments, or, or you got a pretty good plan about how you're going to do it at your end. Um, and, you know, there's always two, three things that really drive that. And so the first thing is just making sure everybody understands what those two or three key items are um, that are going to impact judgments and outcomes and... <laughs> Wake up every morning and read the news and turn on the television and talk to people and make sure that there's nothing coming down the pipe that would have changed a, a decision or judgment that you have made or that, that may change how you look at that um, at year end. So that's probably obvious, but I, I just couldn't stress that um, Hey, enough. Tim, I'm going to jump in here with a point that sure. it, on this news question, and this struck me so much. So... Hillary Eastman, uh, 
is someone from the UK who had run our uh, PwC's 2022 Global Investor Survey. So they surveyed investors around the world and 232 responses. In any event, I did an episode with her Uh where we're talking about the results. And I learned that as investors think about risks facing companies and their uncertainties, more than 50% are getting their views and information from the news. Wow. And yeah, it just shocked me. So to your point, if your investors are watching the news and kind of projecting how that may impact your company, you want to be watching the news and thinking about how events may be impacting your company. It's a great point. And, you know, sometimes the news is right and sometimes the news is wrong. And even if it's it's wrong, I think that's important to understand either as you're thinking about what you're going to say in a, in an earnings um, call or how you're going to disclose it. Cause sometimes you want to set the record straight if the news um, isn't, isn't exactly clear, but um, yeah, yeah. And it's not just news, right? You know, you think about more formally what's in a, a disclosure committee, for example, mm-hmm. right? That, you say disclosure committee and you kind of feel like it's this formal process and you get in a room and you read the 10K and then you go around for comments. But there's also like this real network of, of, of information that you have within your company or with your auditors or your audit firm um, that you need to stay close to as well. You know, how many times have you run across like a conversation that someone in sales has had with yes. their customer or <laughs> Find out that a supply chain issues popped up and the person who, who is, is closest to that discussion or that issue doesn't fully appreciate mm-hmm. all the downstream implications that may have to, to the financial reporting process. So, um, yeah, just anywhere you can keep current. And, and so if you've got those, that list of five or six things that you know are critically important, that, that's what I do is just constantly be scanning your network for, any mm-hmm. details, wherever it comes from. Although, to your point about happenstance, it does sometimes make me wonder if if you hadn't had that conversation with your salesperson or hadn't heard this thing, maybe not in the hallway, maybe on your internal communication channels. Like it, it's serendipity. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> feels like it's too much a part to play. So you have to create your own serendipity, I guess. That that's right. That's right. Um, uh, the more you work at it, the better the, the, right. the flow of information. And I guess that increases your luck along the way. There you go. <laughs> as I think through other things to think about is, especially as you get into larger and larger organizations, just be hyper vigilant about everybody's responsibilities and, and things that they need to get done at year end. And mm-hmm. You know, the obvious one is the tax, the tax, um, tax provision is always the last thing that gets done. Right. So, you know, if you're starting to see things are changing, you know, I see far too often people forgetting to check in with the tax people Mm -hmm. and like close communication with them. You know, I imagine there's been a lot of impairment testing and, cash flow projections along with just the normal one-year, five-year plan that happens, you know, usually in October, November timeframe for calendar year and companies. Don't forget that, you know, you've got big swings or big changes um, in, in your results that those are being updated and mm-hmm. then understanding like where does all that go? Think about things like what are you going to say to the board, the audit committee, you know, 
figure out what's the cadence, right? <laughs> it's always who do you talk to yeah, first, first, right? <laughs> and make sure everybody's um, in sync on that. Um, I, I think companies are always concerned about preparing for, for earnings calls and a lot of companies do scripts these days, making sure it gets in the scripts. So there's all this stuff that kind of goes together that I think you also probably more, more often or more, more important this year to think those through. And, um, if something does pop up last minute, I think you'll, uh, you'll appreciate having thought through some of that stuff. Well, and I think to your point on making sure things get done, it's not just checking in on your tax people, but also just your regular, I'll call it regular controls, and making sure at year end extra vigilance on getting your sign off so they're being done timely, did everything get done that was supposed to get done, particularly on those four or five issues you were mentioning, because that's where sometimes there can be a breakdown. Well, there's no doubt. I think I think there's a couple of things on that, right? People get busy. Um the holidays, you come back, right. probably cups, it takes a couple of days to knock the cobwebs out. Um, lots of people in the organization have their own responsibilities mm-hmm. apart from financial reporting. And so you do have to be vigilant about those controls. But but you stole my thunder. I mean, what we can talk about later on some of the accounting issues that you might be dealing with. But I think a lot of these may be either one-offs, mm-hmm. non-recurring, or rarely occurring accounting events and time and time again, right? You kind of leave the controls till the end, right? Right. And the controls are hard because you just don't pull one off of the shelf and say, oh, yes, here's my unexpected impairment testing control. And so don't forget as you're going through and you're looking at your evidence that you're thinking at the same time, what are the right controls to have here? And Mm -hmm. how am I going to make sure that... Everything's done on time. The information's accurate and complete. We're drawing the right conclusions. We're getting everybody's points of view. Uh, definitely one you want to want to make sure you're focused on. Well, and I guess that leads into then documentation. Oh yes, everybody hates documentation. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Look, there's going to be a lot of uncertainties um, and a lot of big judgments here. Um, we're just on the heels of AICPA conference. There were a lot of discussions around disclosures about what investors and financial statement users want to know in terms of um, what judgments went in there, why are estimates important estimates, like how how widely can it range, what's mm-hmm. the uncertainty of these estimates. And those are all important things um, to keep in mind, not only as you're developing these judgments, but when you're ever challenged or you're ever in a very deep conversation about judgments and conclusions that you make, I, I think people underappreciate the strength of a well contemporaneously mm-hmm. documented set of, of facts and discussions is it's, it's very, very compelling. Yes. No matter how painful it is in the moment, you will be, there's a never a time you will regret having spent the time on documentation. Yeah, and, and be disciplined to do it in the moment mm-hmm. and on time. It's when the facts are the freshest. It's actually probably a lot easier um, to write. And I think there's a lot of things that companies can be doing like today to make sure you're reducing as much as you can all the stuff you got to get done at your end. And I know personally how easy it is to, especially around the holidays, say, you know... 
I'll put that off. I'll have plenty <laughs> of time to do that. And it may be true, but if, if you're not careful, you can end up having, you know, myriad of small, annoying little things to do. Um, so if, if in fact you are surprised with issues you have to deal with, the best favor that you could do for yourself now is clear the decks as much as possible mm-hmm. for, for January, February. Yeah. So then before, I know you mentioned getting into that counting issues. Before we do, though, just follow-up question, because you talked about your list, right? Your kind of four or five top issues, and I think everyone you know, responsible in a financial reporting or oversight role is going to have that list. But what do you do when something gets added to the list? So one of these conversations, you're like, wait, we didn't think about this. And I know we're going to get into some of the things people should think about, but just curious, you know, what, what you've seen work well in the past in terms of companies that deal really well with those unexpected things and companies maybe where it's not quite as smooth. It, it's an outstanding question. Um, like, I think that everybody in economic, in, in economic downturns, um, kind of jumps to the same old things. Okay, well, you've got impairments. Mm -hmm. um, You've got increases in interest rates, drive increases in discount rates, um, drive decreases in asset values. Like, I think everybody gets that um, and hopefully knows how to deal with those. I think the um, the bigger thing to be concerned about is, like, what don't you normally deal with at your company that you might? Mm. Um, that you aren't, aren't dealing with, haven't dealt with, or don't deal with very often. And some of these may be easy for some companies and not so for others. So for, for example, and I'll steal this word, I, I, I've, I've made this point in the past. I haven't always been, didn't know exactly how to describe it, but I think in, uh, in one of our papers, we called it goodwill gestures (laughs) to companies, right? So goodwill gestures, like, Maybe you're increasing payment terms or maybe you're giving them some free stuff or, you know, whatever you might do to, to, you know, kind of respond to their needs and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, build relationships. Well, for, for some companies that, that may be normal course for others, you know, you may have a very simple revenue model, not really thought too much about it. Now all of a sudden you're not only having to understand like, is there an accounting implication? But you're also having to explain this to people in sales mm-hmm. and and um, people in marketing that are, like, trying to take care of their customers, and they'll look at you like you're crazy. Yes. So things like that are, are, are pretty un, unexpected. Things that we all may know generally how to, the accounting model is but haven't dealt with, you know, debt restructurings. I can, I'm sure that people are doing that. Another one we seem to get a lot of questions on is anytime there's an an impairment trigger or something that's a a real say anomaly drop in an asset value for a couple of days well you know do we really need to look at that it doesn't seem like that matters and why why is that important things that have judgments or require explanations to people outside the accounting and finance areas that might not fully appreciate what what the accounting rules right. stand for things like hedge accounting I mean, your hedge accounting might have been on autopilot for a very long period of time. Now, changes in, in your supply chain or, or exchange rates may, may cause you to look at that differently. Stock comp, 
whether it's adjustments or performance based, mm-hmm. those things that just aren't routine. And you may know, you know, knowing the accounting model is different than applying the accounting model. So um, just just keep keep those in mind. And then I won't take credit for this one, but I think we're talking a lot about when you look at these unusual accounting items. Like, where do they go in the cash flow? Yes, good one there, Seems Tim. like so, it's so easy, right? Um, some of these may be more challenging than others. Yeah, definitely a good reminder there. So I have a question then. What do you do about the, I'll call it general human nature tendency that something's been done before, it's so much easier to just do it again. So whether it's, you know, you already wrote last year's MDNA, so much easier to just roll forward the MDNA from last year, or so much roll, easier to roll forward the footnotes and just add a few things instead of taking that step back to say, is this really still explaining what's going on with our company? And I think particularly this year in this uncertainty, all these new issues, just doing that is is not necessarily actually doing your company the best service. You know, I think even the current economic and um, geopolitical environment aside, there's been a ton of discussion over the last 12 to 18 months about the adequacy of MDNA. And I think sometimes people forget what those letters stand for. And, mm-hmm. you know, especially that the analysis part, <laughs> yes. right? It's M- MD is the easier part. <laughs> Revenues went up because we sold more. Yeah, we have more cash because <laughs> people paid us. Paid us, right. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, there's this real desire to, like, get better disclosure and an analysis in the in the front of the in front of your 10k and i think when you have a crazy environment like we're in now people are are really dying to to understand a little bit more about the whys and you know they love numbers Mm -hmm. they love percentages they they like to to hear the whys you know particularly as you see big changes in estimates and Mm -hmm. reserves like it's easy to say you know, very high-level um, commentary on why something changed that a reader would know, like obviously know. So the more detail that you can give them, the better you're going to communicate. And back to what we were talking about earlier, I think there's um, more of a, a tendency these days for the press or investors to misinterpret mm-hmm. either why things are happening or aren't happening. And this is also an opportunity to like get the record straight. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. And I do think this idea of it's actually also management's opportunity and maybe thinking of it, thinking of it in a positive light rather than just like one more thing on the to-do list Absolutely. can be helpful too. Absolutely. So. And, and then, Tim, I know kind of going back to some of these accounting issues that we were just talking about, I know... One of the phrases I've heard you use many times is connecting the dots. <laughs> and, <laughs> I thought you might bring that Yeah, up. so we're both laughing because I have definitely heard Tim talk about this before. <laughs> uh, but, you know, really this idea of just take a step back and make sure that, again, MDNA ties to your footnotes, ties to your press release, ties to what you're saying someplace else. Like, what are some examples of where this works well and, and how do you think? Well, first of all, maybe why is this so <laughs> on top of mind for you? And then secondly, how do people do it well? Well, look, I think as, as organizations get bigger and as the world becomes more complicated and as organizations um, require more expertise and deep specialty knowledge, 
you have more people you not need to bring in the tent to to make decisions and and um, test your judgments and you know it's just human nature that the more people in the circle the harder it harder it is to say connected and you know that takes a lots of, of different um there's a lot of flavors of different flavors of that so like the most frustrating one um i think for all of us is you know two individuals working on the same judgments and estimates for two different reasons that don't know that they're each trying to estimate something and then they find out that um someone's doing it and then they call them up and then those judgments and estimates are radically different mm -hmm. and it's you've you spend a lot of time um trying to reconcile that. So then Tim, the other thing that struck me when you're talking about people, you know, two different people working at estimates spending all this time and then they're different. The other thing I think often happens is that you could have, even if it's just one person working on an estimate, it's all the way until it's like the drop dead date before they bring everyone in who needs to be in. And I think, again, it's this human nature of you don't want to start talking to someone if you don't have all the information. And inherently, when you're dealing with those types of situations, you often don't, but you, you said it. You have your audit committee, the CFO, all these people. So... I'm sure you've seen that. So what, what's the dreaded, your... you present something and somebody who knows something yes, about the yes. topic says, well, I don't agree with that. Exactly. <laughs> and you're like filing, you know, in three days or whatever the case may be. So, yeah, I mean, the, the easy answer is just got to communicate. But I think probably um, the harder thing to do is get these folks to understand the importance and to get them I, I, I don't want to say to pay attention that that sounds too negative yeah. connotation, but under have them understand like how important this really is and how that may impact them so that you get their mind share. A lot of times these are people that are extremely busy. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard, you know, people that you may not interact with on a, a daily basis. Many times they're more senior to you and mm -hmm. you may, may not have the relationship or the comfort level to, um, to get them input. So, I mean, making sure that you're communicating across the organization and, and you know, get, getting the, the, the sponsorship and support of those above you so that, you know, organizationally you understand, Hey, this is, this is pretty critical and, and I'm going to need your help here. Yeah. And I guess it goes back to your, your other example where you need communication and, you know, this is, we're at the beginning of busy season, the busy time. There's also opportunity at the end. So like this is almost like a, a March or, you know, whatever thing to say, okay, maybe for next year, how can we make sure we have more of those relationships kind of in place so you don't have to like the first time you're talking to someone is when they're unhappy about something, you know, you're presenting to them. That, yeah, that's right. And look, I, I think postmortems are always um, important processes, whether it's to fix um fix problems or improve on on processes or um in some cases bury the hatchet and um repair some uh some hurt feelings or some angry feelings um yeah postmortem stories really really important but i said it at, at the top of this and and i'll say it again like if you can get into a cadence of regular just communication talking about what's going on in the business um, understanding what's what's going on around you, getting input from everybody on a very regular basis to the point where you can start to finish each other's sentences, that makes it so much easier. Yes, definitely. I will say I had a client 
that was convinced of the value of a pre-mortem. So before, <laughs> That's before a great your word. end. I'm going to steal that. Yeah. So before your end, what could or is going to go wrong? And I, I have to say there's lots of eye rolls the first time they said, hey, let's spend this meeting doing this. And then, you know, three weeks later, a month later, when all those things started happening, it, it was great to have had, like, to already have that plan. Well, well you know, that that's probably a more elegant way of saying what I was saying um, at the beginning of this discussion is just really try to understand everything that might happen because you know the big judgments you've made. You know where the soft spots are. And uh, so, uh, if yeah, it's all right, I'm going to steal that. Uh, yes, please. Put that in my uh, armory of... I'm sure they would be, uh, that would be a positive thing coming out of that audit. So I'm sure they'd be happy. And I was just cringing a little when you were saying the soft spots, because we can all picture that Excel spreadsheet with uh, the yellow cells yes. that are the ones who need to talk about. So you, yes. you, you, you want to be prepared for that. <laughs> so another thing that kind of goes with all of this conversation is just the amount of work that needs to get done. And the number of people involved, the amount of pressure on people, you know, everyone's just to your point, come off the holidays, and then all of a sudden, it's just like hitting a wall. Yes. And how, you know, how do you think about that, and, and how have you seen this be dealt with successfully? Man, it's such an important point. Um, you know, first off, I think it never hurts to come in with a good attitude and a collaborative outlook on how to get things done, Right. Um, it is such a grind when you come in and every conversation is, is antagonistic or every piece of information you have to ask for 20 times or you're not asking people about, you know, how their break was or what's going on. I mean, I'm not a human capital specialist, um, but I do believe in the importance, um, importance of that. Making sure you get as much of the basics out of the way, right? Like, it's one thing to work late hours, and you'll probably work late hours no matter what happens. But when they're all just, like, full days of very deep thinking followed by four or five hours of mm -hmm. like, not-so-deep thinking that are things that you could have gotten done earlier or, or that you can leverage to less experienced mm -hmm. people, like, just trying to avoid those endless hours and hours of, of work, I think is, is um, important, but you should also look around and kind of know, hopefully you know your team well enough mm -hmm. that, you know, you know, people who may be super happy and energized or those who may not be happy and super energized. And you might not be surprised if they're not at work when you come back from holidays and like, what are you going to do about that? Um, do you have backup? Are you cross-trained? Do you have a bench of mm -hmm. consultants um, and experts that can help um, fill that void if, if you are shorthanded for, for whatever reason? And so thinking that through is super important. Yeah. Now, hopefully, um, this year that will be easier to deal with than it has been the last two years um, but I think we've all felt that a lot. Yeah, and I think to your point, I have to chime in with the human connection. Everything, at least to me, and I know people like working at home, I do too, but everything's easier when you're in the same place. There is no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, and it's just as harder to stay mad. It's easier to stay energized. And so this is, again, not a, a pitch for 
for making people come to work. But I do think it can help in in these more difficult times of the year, at least to have some together oh, you, time. You don't get bagels and donuts. Exactly. When you stay at home. Or if you're in our <laughs> office, even ice cream sometimes. Hey, so. there you go. <laughs> so you go. anyway. All right. So then let's talk about some more specifics. And this some of this is for public companies, but I think the equivalent you know helps our private company clients too. For a lot of companies, there's time between you finally got the earnings release done. It's a huge push press, everything. And then you have a little time between filing. Now, I think sometimes it's easier when they're very <laughs> close together. Maybe same day even. But I know that's not for all companies. So how? what's the best use of that time? First of all, I, I would think about how much time you're willing to to let lapse between mm-hmm. those two points, right? And it just goes back to the level of uncertainty that's in your financial statements. No one likes to go back and revise what was said in an earnings release and what gets filed um, with the 10K. I mean, it's just not good for anybody involved. So as the level of uncertainty and risk um, increases, like you should do everything you can to decrease that, that period of time. That does not necessarily mean you push up the filing date to an unreasonable amount because you can push back the earnings release too, right? It, it's all about the right cadence. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I would just caution people to be thoughtful, um, perhaps a little more thoughtful about their filing um, timeline today or this coming year end. I think everyone would prefer to have numbers that are um, you have a high degree of confidence in and don't change between earnings release, um, then they care about how quickly it comes out. Um, I know that's probably a little bit too pie in the sky, and I appreciate there's a lot of other external factors that drive deadlines, but I, I think I think it's worth like pushing back on 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 those deadlines and just really thinking it through. And maybe you have to maybe you have to to have an aggressive filing deadline if that's the case. I would caution people from just thinking, okay, we're just going to have to work hard to get it done or saying, as I often hear, well, I don't know how we're going to do it, but we always get it done. We always get it done. Those um, many times uh, don't end well. Yeah. Well, I think you made a point earlier or you did make a point earlier about connections and and making sure that you're connected to the right people in the organization. I think this is a good reminder, making sure investor relations is, is one of those groups because they're sometimes is a reason you need to have your earnings release on certain days. Sometimes there's not. And again, maybe if not for this year, but even for next year, can you guys get closer to the same page so that they're not put in a position of changing something they've committed to, but it all happens sequentially and smoothly. So a hundred percent. I mean, and, and you just think about like companies where CFOs do the um, majority of, of the earnings release and communications there always seem to be in the loop on mm-hmm. on these issues, but if you're a company that that um, has a has a, a investor relations group that does more of that, to think that they aren't going to be in the same meetings as CFO, I think sometimes we lose lose sight of that. Yeah, they're good. more than just comps people. Yes, good reminder. And as a communications person, 
communications people are important. They so. are very, they are very <laughs> important. I learned that a long time ago. All right. So then let's ask another one of these. Sure. So, you know, at year end, obviously we're auditors. So we think auditors are important, but there's lots of third parties that are typically involved. I mean, you have your pension experts and your valuation experts and, you know, there's this whole again, sure. myriad to steal your word. So what have you seen in terms of best practices for dealing with all of these different parties, particularly when there's many of them? Well, well, first, like everything in life, having a good relationship with those folks, uh, super important, right? Um, when you need them, you need them. And so if you have a relationship and it's positive and you keep in contact, I think your, your ability to muster the troops on short notice are, are, um, are, are is much, much better. And someone you trust to, mm-hmm. to give you an honest opinion or an honest answer and not just an answer that's going to help you make a deadline um, mm-hmm. is super important. The, the rigor of these specialists and consultants is important. Um, that'd be my, my yeah. Advice. So it sounds like back to relationships. Same thing you said earlier for your own team. It, it applies to everyone involved. For sure. For sure. So we touched on this a little in terms of unexpected issues, but I think maybe the more direct question on my list of quick hits: uh-huh. What if something goes wrong? So what if that estimate was wrong and that yellow cell did have the wrong info in it or the day before filing you realize you're missing something you need or, I mean, I don't think for well, this audience I need to list all the things that could go wrong. Well, I'll, I'll have to answer this hypothetically. Yes, of course. That's, that's, that's never happened never, on your audit. never happened Yes, and me. I don't audit anymore, <clears throat> so I can freely admit that it maybe happened on mine. Maybe. Like, honestly, like, I think the mark of a true leader and it can be at any level, is that person in the room that is the calm in the storm. It is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure many of us on the phone, m- myself excluded, have gotten into like difficult situations and they can go on for weeks and weeks. And if you don't clear the air... right. And you're not pulling in the same direction. It's a horrible experience and it never ends well. Mm-hmm. Going in and tiptoeing around everybody or not feeling like you can have honest dialogue because you're concerned somebody's going to say, oh, there you go again. Yes, or yeah. why are you doing this? This isn't right. This is go tell so-and-so that's ridiculous. Like you got to clear the air and, and, you know, whether that's having someone in the room that's that's calm and, and understands there'll be a time and place for that, or if it's just a session where you get in and you start, you know, clear the air. Mm-hmm. I just think it's really important. You got to get beyond the emotion because this is important stuff with huge ramifications. And um, everybody listening to this podcast takes great pride in their work and wants to get it right. Um, and when those things get threatened, emotions get high. And so you, everybody deals with that, that differently. And I think you just gotta, gotta let everybody clear there. That's the number one thing. And if you don't do it, be a bad answer and it will take longer to do than, mm-hmm. than you think it would do. Yeah. And I think, I do think your post mortem is, is sometimes the solution here. Cause sometimes it's easier to say, we'll deal with this later, meaning what caused the problem. And then by the time you're actually talking about what caused it, root cause, all those things, people can be non-emotional. 
And if you just stay focused on the problem. Yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah. I think the other thing you have to be careful about, Heather, in those situations is getting to the quick or easy answer, right? Mm -hmm. It is so easy to make judgments or push back against something without a deep study of the facts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it, again, it goes back to when you, when you clear the air, I think it makes it a more productive environment to do those things. But with time crushes and emotions high, to really think deeply about important conclusions and judgments, it, it gets harder and harder. Yes. Well, you know that, and people who know me know, I aspire to be calm. It doesn't always happen, <laughs> but I aspire to it. Uh, as so. do I. <laughs> uh, all right. So here's another one that I know is something we deal with, and it's, it's also something uh, our clients deal with and our listeners. And Tim, you alluded to this earlier, but it's deployment and having the right resources and enough resources and all those types of things. How, what are some, I guess, well, are there any tricks? And if there are no tricks, then how, what recommendations do you have? Yeah, well, I, I said it before. I think the, the, the first thing you got to do is know your people, like know what their capabilities are, what they aren't, um, know people at risk, know those people that are loyal and going to be around. Um, it's always good to start with that. Um, the second thing is like people come to work to get paid, but they come to come to work to have experiences mm -hmm. as well. Um, Bring people along, explain things to them, um, spend some time coaching them, um, letting them, giving them room mm -hmm. to fail. Not, a, not an important stuff <laughs> or not without a, 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 a safety, safety net, net yes. close by, but like we, we've all done something for the first time or the second time or the third time and not been all that great at it. Um, you can talk to the first senior who helped me um, figure out how to reconcile a bank statement. Um, I'll tell you, um, bring them along. Um, I think also it's it's somewhat um, related. Is you got to resist the urge to do it yourself. Mm -hmm. um, how many times do you say, oh, "I'll just do it myself; it'll be easier"? Well, you get ten of those things that you think about easier, and then all of a sudden you've created you know, multiple days of extra work for you in a single week. So, and then not only that, but then you've got people that are working for you that aren't having a good mm -hmm. experience, aren't learning, aren't doing those things. So uh, I'd resist um, the temptation to do that. And then like, we all have people that we, we, we trust where we, we mentor that we have a great deal of confidence in. do not micromanage them. Let them, mm -hmm. let them do their thing. Um, you know, I always like to say, let leaders lead. Let them but be there. Don't abandon them. Don't check in. You got to support them. You know, we talk about real-time review and supervision. Right. You got to do that. Um, but let them contribute. And I think everybody, everybody ends up um, better off in, in that, that environment. So then... I'm putting you on the spot a little with this question. Sure. When you're talking to your team or to your client, how do you define success of, let's say, the upcoming cycle? So <laughs> how do you think about that? Is it just it got done? <laughs> Is it it got done without chaos? Everyone learned? You know, there's lots of ways to define success. 
Well, getting something done on time and on budget always is a positive thing. <laughs> <laughs> Said well from someone so who was in operations. At, so. look, I, I think I think it, that's a question that can only be answered after the dust settled. I, I, I was um, I was um, on a panel today, and I I said something like, when you think about in hindsight whether it's a good experience or a bad experience. Um, I think it's oftentimes we associate like a bad answer with a bad experience and a good answer with a good yes, experience. Yes, I agree with you. Yes. That is not, doesn't have to be true. And many, most times it's not. It's about what was the end result. Did we get to the right answer? Are we happy with where we landed? Like that's the important stuff. That's the important. That's the stuff that's going to matter three months from now, or a year from now, as opposed to hey, I got an easy answer. I I I did some shortcuts, but we got the right mm -hmm. answer, and we were on time. And then somebody asks you a question twelve months later, and you're like, uh oh, yeah. right, exactly. <laughs> so you're so saying you don't want to look at your shoes. You don't want to look at your shoes, right? You wanna you wanna be proud of of your work you do. So that'd be my advice. I'm tempted to end on that, and maybe maybe you'll tell me the same answer to my final question, which is, what is your final words of wisdom for the audiences as they look ahead to the next two months? Come to work, ready to go. Good attitude. Look out for those around you. Go in search of the right answers, the best product, be collaborative, communicate, and look, life's too short not to enjoy what you're doing. And I believe that we have a personal choice about how, how we go in and tackle things. And so it might be daunting. It always is daunting for me. This year it will be January 3rd. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you'll get through it and it's it's a lot better and easier if you're uh, there with people good attitudes supporting each other wow those are definitely good words of wisdom to end on so thank you so much tim for joining me well thanks for having me this has been a blast i need to figure out how to do this again we and are happy to have you back so that'd be great thank i appreciate you. the time Heather. yes thank you all right bye-bye bye that's our show for today tune in next week for more fresh episodes so that you never miss any of our audio content, follow the PwC Accounting Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And to stay up to date on all our latest accounting and reporting news, sign up for our newsletter at viewpoint.pwc.com. From Thought Leadership at PwC, I'm Heather Horn. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is brought to you by PwC, all rights reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates, and they sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.